You can get a doctor's checkup every single day, and when you go in for the doctor, he can see your data every single day. Why wouldn't you? Human behavior has become de-emphasized, but it's not irrelevant in the way that these, these things are developed. Like you were saying, Alexa, or whatever these kind of digital systems are, they can sound human, mm -hmm. right? They, they say, um, and they do the kind of pauses, and they have these natural kind of inflections that if you didn't know that you were talking to a computer, you would, if someone didn't tell you they were talking to a computer, you would never know. Mm -hmm. How can they get that good? It's because we're feeding them data, right, all the time. Um, and, and, you know, as you interact more with these things, it becomes to reflect a certain kind of of human behavior and human interaction because there's a very class distinction to who has access to these devices. Um, you know, it's usually upper middle class or middle or upper class people, usually, you know, white, college educated, certain imprimatur of, of education and background and access to to services or just kind of the environment or, edu or you know, um, affinity for certain things, uh, you know, interests, right? And so it's not going to sound like someone from my neighborhood where I grew up where most people are poor and they don't have a college education, you know. It's going to sound like, like a college professor. It's going to sound like someone who's been to college. It's going to sound like someone who uh, calls to certain restaurants and not others. And so it becomes, it becomes a, a, an influence on the ways that we interact with each other. You're 100% right. As we were developing some of these apps, I was working with a student who's from Mongolia. And as we're working together, we're building and we're talking to this app. And for me, Alexa understands me very well. Mm. He was trying to interact to test his app. She couldn't. She kept responding, sorry, I didn't catch that. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even make that connection until just now. Because the language models that are building this are trained on software engineers at Google and mm -hmm. voice data that's on the web, which are people who have access to the internet. Yeah. Certain groups of people are being used to train this, while people with accents and some people who aren't as prevalent in the data sources they're not recognized. So they're, they actually physically cannot participate on the platform yeah. because of their accent right now. Right now, we, we need data. So it's just like from more data with them, they'll be able to participate. But right now they're limited, which means that now solutions are being created for certain people who have access to the platform while they're being left out. So like, is this a snowball effect or is it just eventually the data will be accessible, the voice model will get better and then everybody will have access? That, that's the question that's kind of in my mind right now. I mean, I think it's it's a question. Eventually, they will get to it to where everyone will be recognized. Uh -huh, right. right. The, the 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 algorithm, the kind of the programs that run these things will get it to where no matter how thick your accent is, no matter where you come from, you know, no matter what kind of vocabulary you use, it'll understand what you're saying. But at that point, is it a question of what will it still being able to understand how I speak doesn't necessarily understand my my background or my interests or kind of the things that I want, right? And going back into this point of data. And, and being able to filter down and say, well, I know that you like tacos and therefore we're gonna recommend tacos to you, right? There's only so much you can infer from a very small set of, of information or data from you know, a minoritized population. If you're talking about people who have an accent or people who maybe speak a different language or something like that. Um, so well, I think snowball is probably the right word to use where it's, it's, never, it's gonna keep mm. the, the bias that's inherent in these things are gonna, is never gonna go away. Um, and also, the, you know, we're talking about we're talking about from the side of people who interact with these things. We know very little, or at least I know very little about at this point, the kind of categorization that goes into how they, when they're collecting the data, how are they parsing it out and saying, okay, well, if someone says X, Y, and Z, and they like, and they do this thing, thing, and this and the other, then they're obviously a person in their 30s from this part of the country, and they do this and they do that and do that. We have no control over that categorization, and that mm -hmm. kind of creates an identity for you that 
even if it becomes what good at, at assessing your speech patterns or good at assessing what you want um, it's going to start to influence your behavior it's going to start to respond to you in a certain way that goes with that categorized identity and not necessarily who you are mm-hmm. going back to the example of kind of the google auto responses i don't like i i, I see the same thing like i'll send a text message and it'll give me a three little options right and one of the options is always like a smiley face or sometimes you know if nancy emails me it'll say you know it'll give me some little options to automatically respond to her and sometimes i'll have um, exclamation points on the end you know, if we're trying to set up a meeting, like, and you say, okay, we're going to meet at 5 o'clock on Wednesday, and, and they'll say, okay, sure, see you then, exclamation point. I don't send exclamation points to the email, right? <laughs> see you then. But that's the thing, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a politeness kind of thing, right? It's because if you don't send, you, I guess, it's to some people, if you don't put any exclamation points to your email, then it makes your email sound angry, <laughs> or it makes it seem like you're not enthusiastic about whatever you're emailing about. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a way to diffuse it and kind of put a positive spin on things. But that's not my behavior, but it's encouraging that, right? Based on this kind of mm-hmm. aggregate of someone who's in fact interacting in a college environment or interacting in a certain kind of way or talking about certain mm-hmm. things should respond this way. It's shaping how you think. By putting it there, it's making you, th- it's saying in this situation, this is an option and maybe yeah. you should consider it. So then next time you're more prompted to want that's to interact yeah, that right. way. And that, and that makes me second guess myself, right? Because it's not saying, well, should I do this? Because this is what's expected. This is what the algorithm, which is collecting data from millions of people. I'll know when. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, now you know. If I ever send an exclamation point, it's not me. I just took the auto response. But it's saying that on aggregate, even though I, as, you know, someone who's a minority in a college environment, don't represent, you know, the, the, the usual kind of suspect in this kind of partic- in this particular interaction, it's saying that this is the identity, this is the kind of behavior that I should be ascribing to. Mm-hmm. And so, at, and, you know, to go back to the original kind of question of, like, how is it going to respond? How is it going to recognize people who are not seen as the norm? It's not really going to recognize them as so much as it's going to make acts. It's going to make opportunities, if opportunities are what you want to use, available for them to start to uh, modulate their behavior and, beca- and kind of uh, adopt what you mm-hmm. kind of say. I don't think of it that way because initially my thought process is as they get more data, they'll be able to incorporate those people's perspectives, but you're saying they'll cut them out and force them to change. Not force them; it will coerce them to change. Yeah, like there's nothing that it can do to actually make you do it. But if it is sort of set up in the way where if you do that, it makes things easier, it just makes sense. It's just peer pressure on another level, and it's peer pressure that you've enlisted yourself into. That Mm. you're you're peer pressuring yourself because I spent money on this; it's in my house. I want to get the most use out of it, and therefore I should interact with it in a certain way. It's going to make sure that I can do so. Which means going out and buying the smart lights, and it means getting your food delivered to your house. Yeah. It means having a baby monitor and a camera staring at your baby 24-7 and possibly importing those videos to Amazon. Yeah, I, I, I just had a baby yeah, he last week. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my wife, we have a baby monitor that has a camera on it, oh, a really? microphone, oh, yeah, yeah. and it broadcasts it, and I hate it. But my <laughs> wife wanted to get it because she's like, we can see the baby, there's an app for it, blah, yep. blah, blah, all these things like that. And, you know, me studying these things, I'm like, well, where is this data going? You know, what the, you know, I'm already seeing ads being served to me for baby stuff and all kinds of different mm-hmm. things. Um, so there's a paranoia there. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you, you feel, at least I felt, we felt like, oh, well, we want to be good parents. We have to do this. We have to, we have to utilize this system so we know what's happening with our baby. We can look in the, you know. Because if you can get more data, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want